Hello, and welcome to this Phil Fisher podcast on the EU AI Act. My name is Olivier Proust. I'm a partner in the tech and data team at Phil Fisher in our Brussels office. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the latest events and developments that we have seen on the EU Artificial Intelligence Act. For those who may know, the European Commission made a proposal to regulate artificial intelligence back in April of 2021. Now, last Friday, that was on the 8th of December, we saw an unexpected development when the two co-legislative bodies, that is the Parliament and the Council, with the European Commission reached a political agreement. Now, this was a little bit unexpected given some of the political drama that we saw in the last couple of weeks, particularly focusing on foundation models. And you may have heard that some of the member states, namely France, Germany, and Italy, gave some heavy pushback on some of the proposals that had been put forward by the European Parliament to regulate general-purpose artificial intelligence and foundation models. So there was a little bit of uncertainty as to whether the AI Act would get adopted before the European Parliament elections that will take place in June of next year and before the European Parliament goes into recess. Now, it seems that there was a strong political will, and especially the EU Commissioner Thierry Breton, who is behind the text, was really instrumental in reaching a deal and making sure that uh, a political agreement was reached. For those who may not know, the Trilogue meetings are meetings between the three European institutions that happen behind closed doors, where they essentially discuss the text and try to reach uh, an agreement on the content of the law. In the end, the co-legislators did manage to reach a deal and the objective, which was to um, adopt the AI Act, prevailed over the differences that we saw between the co-legislative bodies. In fact, it is quite clear that the European Union wants to be the first region in the world to adopt a comprehensive legislation that will regulate the uses of artificial intelligence and is really hoping for a Brussels effect something that we saw a few years ago with the GDPR, whereby the, the EU law is the first one to be adopted. And then what we saw later with the GDPR was that other countries around the world adopted their own laws regulating the process on personal data. So effectively, the European Union is hoping that there will be a similar effect with the EU AI Act once it gets adopted. So let's look a little bit more closely at some of the key provisions. And I'm not going to go into too much detail here uh, on the text. It's a very broad and, and complex piece of legislation. So I'm just going to give you some of the highlights. I think the first thing to note is it's important to understand that the AI Act does not regulate AI technology as such, nor does it intend to regulate AI as a science. In fact, the AI Act is technology agnostic and what it really tries to achieve is to regulate AI systems and certain uses or applications of artificial intelligence. So for this reason, the AI Act takes a risk-based approach. And what it does is it classifies AI systems based on their impact and their risk. Essentially, there are four different types of AI under the AI Act. Four categories, if you prefer. 
prohibited artificial intelligence, high-risk AI systems, general-purpose AI and foundation models, which is the third category, and then the fourth, low-risk AI, which includes generative AI. Now, if we look a little bit more closely at prohibited AI and some of the provisions that were adopted last week, essentially the legislators decided that they would ban social scoring, manipulative AI, or exploitation of vulnerabilities. Now, these are examples of prohibited AI, but the text also intends to prohibit the bulk scrapping of facial images on the internet. So some activities that we've seen, for example, with uh, Clearview AI would not be possible in the EU. And then it also introduces some safeguards and some narrow exceptions on the use of real-time biometric systems for law enforcement purposes. And here, some member states, particularly France, pushed very heavily to have for, for the text to authorize within certain remits, the use of real biometric facial recognition. As you all know, France will be the host of the Olympic Games next year. So that's one of the reasons why they wanted this to be authorized. And also in, in recent uh, weeks, we've seen a spike in terrorist threats, which is also another reason why law enforcement has been asking and pushing for this to be authorized within certain limits, once again, under the Act. So those are examples of prohibited AI. If we turn now to high-risk AI uh, systems, here they fall into two categories. You have high-risk in terms of the impact that an AI system is going to have on individuals, particularly on the health, the safety, or the fundamental rights of individuals. And here, it's interesting to highlight that AI Act introduces a new obligation to carry out a fundamental rights impact assessment. Now, for privacy professionals, this is a concept that we are familiar with because under the GDPR, you already have data protection impact assessments. So we see here a bit of a similarity, at least in terms of uh, imposing certain requirements uh, for AI compliance. So that is the, the first type of high-risk AI systems. The other type of high-risk is in terms of product safety. Essentially, what this means is that if an AI system is a component of a product that falls under an EU sectoral law that regulates the safety of products that are uh, developed and distributed on the EU market, then there is an obligation to verify whether such AI system, whether to carry out for such AI system a conformity assessment in order to obtain the CE marking before that AI system can be introduced on the EU market. So here, uh, there is a link between the AI Act and the European sectoral laws that apply to the safety of products and, and machines and devices that are distributed on the EU market. If we turn now to the third category, which is the general purpose AI and foundation models. Now, here is where there was really a lot of discussion in recent weeks between the co-legislators. What's Important to understand is that initially in the European Commission's proposal, there weren't any provisions on general purpose AI and foundation models. So these provisions were introduced by the European Parliament in its first reading on the text. What happened essentially is that the Council, so representing the EU member states, did not want to regulate general purpose AI and foundation models so as not to stifle innovation in the EU. Instead, what was proposed was a looser form based on self-regulation 
up foundation models, for example, by way of codes of conduct. Ultimately, this was abandoned in the final stages of the discussions when the political agreement was reached. And what the co-legislators decided and, and agreed upon is essentially a two-tier approach. For general purpose AI systems such as ChatGPT, they will be subject to transparency requirements, which will include, for example, providing technical documentation to demonstrate that such AI systems comply with European copyright laws. And also they will have to disseminate detailed summaries about the content used for training the AI systems. On the other hand, for high impact general purpose AI systems and foundation models with a systemic risk, those will be subject to stronger requirements. And if certain conditions apply, then the developers of such AI models will have to conduct model evaluations, evaluate, assess, and mitigate the systemic risk of those foundation models, conduct adversarial testing, and in some cases report any serious incidents to the European Commission. So we see here a clear distinction between those so-called high-impact AI models with a systemic risk and the other types of general-purpose AI systems, which are simply subject to transparency requirements. And then lastly, we have the final category, which are the low-risk AI systems. Essentially, this will apply to generative AI and, for example, deepfakes. And here, the main requirements will be transparency requirements. In other words, and a good example is uh, deepfakes. People who view them will have to be informed that, in fact, what they are viewing is uh, a video or content that has been generated by generative AI so that this is made clear to them. So this gives you an overview of the, the classification of the different AI systems according to risk. Now, what is the scope of the AI Act? And here, it's, it's also important to highlight that the AI Act will have an extraterritorial effect. In fact, the, the territorial scope and, and the material scope of the AI are defined in very broad terms. Essentially, the text will apply broadly to all developers, deployers, importers, and distributors of AI systems in the EU, irrespective of their place of establishment, which means that even if they are established outside of the EU, they may be subject to the AI Act, particularly for developers if the output of the AI system is taking place in the EU. Once again, this is something that we have seen with other European legislation, particularly with uh, GDPR. In terms of enforcement, the AI Act intends to create uh, several regulatory bodies. An AI office will be established and will be part of the European Commission. We still need to see the final text to have a clear understanding of the role of the AI office. But what seems to, to appear is that the AI office will have a role to play on the general purpose AI and foundation models. An AI board is also going to be established. This will be an advisory board similar to the EDPB under the GDPR, represented by the national regulators. And then in terms of enforcement, this will fall under national public authorities, similar to the data protection authorities under the GDPR. Obviously, the text uh, contains some sanctions and, and in particular some fines. Here, we see a, a tiered approach, so different levels and thresholds of fines according to the, the seriousness or the gravity 
of the violation. So for the, the highest or the most serious violations, fines can go up to 7% of global turnover or 35 million euro for violations of applications that apply to high-risk AI systems and foundation models. The fines will be 3% or 15 million euro. And then for other uh, provisions that apply to the low risk and in particular failure to provide accurate information, fines can go up to 1.5% of global turnover. So that hopefully gives you a bit of an understanding on the key provisions of the AI Act. Now, looking ahead at the next steps and what is going to happen now in the coming days and coming weeks. The first thing to note is that we don't have the final text yet. Once again, last Friday, what happened, it was an important development, but it was a, a, a political agreement that was reached. So what that means is that the political trilogues between the th three European institutions essentially are finished now, and there won't be any other political trilogues. However, there are still a few technical trilogue meetings that will take place, maybe five or six in, in the course of the month of December and possibly the beginning of January next year. So a few final technical meetings that are necessary to essentially to be able to reach a final and consolidated version of the text that is likely to bring us into January. Following that, the text is going to have to be formally adopted both by the two co-legislative bodies, so both the European Parliament and the Council, so they will each have to vote on the text. And once that is done, then the text will be published in the official journal of the EU. This will probably bring us into the spring uh, of next year. Um, once the text is published in the official uh, journal, then it enters into force. The entry into force does not mean that the text comes into full application yet. In fact, the, the text will provide for a grace period, which currently there is a, a two-year grace period before the AI Act will come into full application. So essentially, this brings us to 2026. Nonetheless, some provisions will come into application sooner. This will probably be the case for the provisions on prohibited AI, which will probably come into force uh, six months after uh, the publication of the text, and some other um, requirements, for example, those applying to the large AI models uh, could also come into application sooner. So I think it will be important to see in the final text which provisions come into full application after the two-year grace period and which will come into application sooner. So. In conclusion, this tells us that it has been an important development, but there are still a few steps ahead before the text is formally adopted and comes into full application. Nonetheless, it's not really recommended to, to wait uh, for an additional two years before starting to do something and before starting to comply. If we look back and, and based on our experience uh, of the GDPR, we, we did see that those companies that started to assess how they needed to comply with the GDPR uh, immediately after it was adopted and those that used the two-year grace period to put in place a GDPR compliance framework were in a much better position once the, the text came into full application. So th there are certain things that companies can already start doing, um, such as carrying out by uh, gap analysis starting to assess risks of the different AI systems that they are using within their organizations, drafting and implementing internal guidelines, 
and good practices on AI and, and perhaps also providing training to employees. So these are all things that companies can already start thinking about without waiting for the text to come into full application. And then another thing that is worth noting, which is maybe more at a political level, but EU Commissioner Ton also announced an AI pact. Now, not much has been said or published yet about this AI pact, but I think we are going to see some developments in the coming days. Essentially, what this is, the European Commissioner asking companies to make a pledge that they will uh, start applying and, and complying with the AI Act sooner and that they will do this on a uh, voluntary basis. Now, this is an interesting initiative. It remains to be seen whether companies will actually do this. But there was a, a recent statement made by President of the uh, European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, who, who says that there are already approximately 100 companies that have agreed to to make this pledge and comply with the AI pact. So I think we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, that. That could be an interesting development and so it could already give an indication of how the market is going to react to, to the AI act. So this brings us to the end of this podcast. Obviously, within Phil Fisher's uh, technology and data team, we will continue to monitor all these legal developments very closely. We will also be running a webinar series on AI and the interplay between the AI and the GDPR in 2024. So we will uh, analyze uh, some of the key provisions and, and issues under the AI Act more closely. So do stay tuned and watch the space. And thank you very much for attending this podcast. Thank you.